And I was like, oh my gosh, this person is a narcissist. What am I going to do with my life? But what has helped me with, it has helped me to understand this person. When we give grace to people, it helps to see them the way God sees them. And so I was able to understand the beginnings that this person came from. I was able to understand their family of origin story and how this might have developed. Hello and welcome back to the Grace Fueled Wife podcast. I'm your host, Beatrice Fargus. And this week, we're going to talk a little bit about narcissism, how to identify a narcissist, how exactly is narcissism treated, and most importantly, how do we deal with a person who is a narcissist? Let's jump right in. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty? struggling to connect with your husband maybe you're telling yourself you're just sticking it out for the kids and what really keeps you in the marriage is god if this is you i've been there my story is your story i want to help you reconnect in marriage and feel cherished again Hey, I'm Beatrice, a Jesus-loving wife and mom. I've been married for 15 years, but for the past 10, I've actually had the affectionate and connected marriage I've always dreamed of. What happened the first five years? Well, I was busy telling my husband all the things he was doing wrong, like how he needed Jesus and he needed to make me happy. We tried marriage counseling, small groups, all the things we were told that would make our marriage better nothing worked and we separated how did i turn it around well that's what you'll learn in this podcast proven skills to communicate better create more intimacy and be a grace-fueled wife so if you're ready to finally communicate effectively with your husband so you can stop fighting and be on the same team again this podcast is for you now grab that journal and let's jump right in now, before we get started, I want to talk to you very quickly about the Grace Fueled Marriage Method. If you have not checked it out yet, what are you waiting for, my friend? Honestly, it is such a great value for what you get because you get everything that I am able to give you and teach you all in one place and you get all the group coaching and support with it. So it's not just what you see in the screen and all the teaching, you actually get group weekly implementation calls with me. Check it out. See if it's right for you. You can go ahead right to gracefueledmarriagemethod.com. That's gracefueledmarriagemethod.com. I need to give you this little disclaimer that what I'm about to discuss today is not in any way intended to be counseling, psychotherapy, it's not intended to diagnose. It is not intended to be any of those things. It's really just for informational purposes. If any of the things that I talk to you about today do sound familiar, maybe they are resonating a little bit, then in that case, I would suggest that you check with one of your local licensed professionals to work through narcissism because it is a personality disorder. But again, this is not intended to do any of those things other than give you information. So when I hear you talk to me about your husband being a narcissist or you think that he might be a narcissist, my initial reaction is to take a pause because I have firsthand experience dealing with narcissism. 
Thankfully, it is not my husband. Full disclosure, my husband is not a narcissist. He is a great and humble man, not a narcissist. But there is someone else in my life who I'm very close to, work very closely with, and spend a lot of time together. I believe, based on everything that I'm going to talk to you about today, is a narcissist. And I recognize that it must be almost impossible to be married to a man or a person who is a narcissist. Almost impossible. Just in having dealings with this person, I can't even imagine. So right off the bat, I want to give you my utmost empathy in this area, if it's something that you are actually dealing with. But what I do want to make sure is that in today's culture, we throw around the word and the term narcissism quite a bit in the same way we throw around the words anxiety and depression and all these other things, but without realizing that these are actual clinical terms. And in order to be diagnosed clinically with any one of those things, there are several different criteria that one must meet. I will jump into what those criteria are. And because there's several different criteria, I I hear people say narcissism and then I wonder, oh, are they really though? Just make sure that you actually know. Because if someone is actually a narcissist, the prescription for how you would treat narcissism or even worse, treat a marriage in distress with a narcissistic partner is actually really interesting and it's maybe quite different than um, what you would have thought. So this may not apply to many of you, but if it doesn't, feel free to go ahead and share it with somebody who you think that it might apply to. Let's talk about what actually is narcissism from a clinical perspective. Narcissism is going to be a pattern of grandiosity and fantasy or behavior. Grandiosity meaning like everything is so great. Everything is just so amazing, so wonderful. This person has done everything that they do. They just have this idea about themselves and everything about them. That's the way they describe it. Everything is just so great. The greatest thing you've ever seen, all that. The narcissistic person has a need to be admired. They typically lack empathy and begins in their early adulthood. It's present in a variety of different contexts, and it's indicated by five or more of the following symptoms. So the baseline is this pattern of grandiosity and need for admiration and lack of empathy. Okay, so number one is the grandiose self of importance. So they exaggerate their achievements, their talents. They expect to be recognized as superior without the commiserate achievements. So it's this a basic almost sense of entitlement. Like the narcissistic person, they can't wait on lines. Like who am I? I should never have to wait on a line. I'm do you know who I am? kind of thing. They they have this grandiose idea about themselves and anything that they might have accomplished only inflates that idea even more. But the ideas that they have about themselves are just they don't always match up. You know, they don't always match up to the kind of achievements that they have done. Or maybe they have these great achievements, but then underneath the surface, they're not as great as we think they are. So, you know, maybe they've like built this amazing business and they talk about, oh, I've got all these millions of dollars in the bank or all this whatever. But what they don't tell you is actually behind the scenes, the things are going bankrupt. So it doesn't completely match up. So it's not like the person is really being 
humble and honest about what they've done. They're just really overinflating it. So that's number one. Number two, they're preoccupied with fantasies of success, unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, ideal love. Like in their mind, this is really what they think about all the time. They're really preoccupied with that. Number two, they believe that they are special and unique and can only be understood by or associated with other special or really high status people or institutions. They're going to say things like, oh, well, you know, my doctor graduated from Harvard. Like they would never go to maybe a place, let's say a doctor, whoever, that was not from this really high status. They want to be associated with other high status things or, oh, I heard that this thing, they're really good. And this is really top notch. This is the best in the country. Or my children went to the best universities in the country. Their need to be associated with these high status things are really, really, really important to them. Number four, they require excessive admiration. It's just, it's not normal. You know, where the normal person might feel uncomfortable if, you know, like me, if you, you compliment me too much, I'm like, Ooh, okay, is that even genuine? Like, oh my gosh, stop. I think there's a balance between just be humble and be able to accept a compliment. But this is more like you cannot pile it on thick enough. The person just doesn't get tired of it. You know, if, if I sit there and I lay on some compliments thick for my husband after a while, he's like, all right, babe, like relax. Where another person might be like, okay, that's enough. Like it almost seems ingenuine now. The narcissistic person, they don't get that sense. They're just, they're want to hear all of it. Number five, they have this sense of entitlement or unreasonable expectations or favorable treatment, automatic compliance with their expectations. This goes back to what I was saying, like, oh, I don't need to wait in line or, you know, this is the type of person that goes to a restaurant and doesn't think that they should wait for a table. And so they'll do things like overtip the waiter so that they could be treated specially and solidify that special status that they believe that they deserve. Number six is interpersonally exploitive, right? So they take advantage of other people to achieve their own ends. They might take advantage of somebody's kindness or maybe somebody's skill set or whatever, and they just have no qualms about it, right? Because we said the narcissistic person really lacks empathy and that they have no problems exploiting other people. Number seven is that they lack empathy. They are unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others. They just, they don't get it. Their needs are important, but other people, they just, they don't get it. Their feelings are not important to them. Number eight, they're often envious of others or believe that others are envious of them. You know, if uh, someone else might have a high status, you know, maybe they're driving the newest car, whatever, they're going to be envious of that person or they think, oh, everybody is just jealous of me. One of the two maybe even both. Number nine, they show arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. They're the best because they have this, this idea that they are so wonderful, so great, so grandiose that their attitudes, their behavior, everything about them is arrogant. Now, I give you nine things. To be clinically diagnosed as a narcissist, you only need five. You really only need five. The person who I am talking about has about seven of those nine things. So I can really relate to what all of this looks like. 
just a few examples from this person in my life. They very much feel entitled to be treated a certain way. You know, they are that type of person will go in and over tip and expect a certain level of service. They want to be associated with all the best things, drive all the best cars, even if it means behind the scenes financially they're not doing well. It's all about the public perception and they can basically brag about it. So uh, with this particular person, this person loves anybody who elevates their status. So this person wants to be around other people who elevate their status. Now, whether that means business partners, family members, people in church, whoever that is that will elevate their status, those are who they're going to surround themselves with. Now, they don't have the piece of narcissism where they really don't have any empathy. This person can, in many ways, be empathetic, but there's, the other pieces are so strong. Like this person is actually very generous, which is a beautiful thing to see and is pretty true to their word. This person has a lot of redeeming qualities. But when you think about the generosity, the generosity is tied to status, right? Something that they can uh, brag about later, right? It's not like they're, they, they donate a lot and it's all private information. It's more of like this person is considered almost a philanthropist, right? They, they donate so much money. But again, everything goes back to how their status is elevated, the amount of love or affection that this sh person shows other people, anybody, family members, friends, whoever, the amount of love and affection is all tied to, again, status and what have you done for me lately? So what have you done that I could be proud of, uh, that I could brag about? And the more that you've done that I could brag about, that's the more I'm going to show you love. Now, the reason why I give these examples from my personal life is because I feel like maybe some of that might resonate with you. Maybe in the narcissist in your life, you might be able to start to see some patterns like, whoa, wait a minute. I never really thought about it that way. So this particular person in my life, because they have a good heart and they, they do care about people. I never thought that they were a narcissist until I was working, honestly, on a paper in diagnosing narcissism. And I started to go through all the things I just gave you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this person is a narcissist. What am I going to do with my life? But what has helped me with, it has helped me to understand this person when we give grace to people, it helps to see them the way God sees them. And so I was able to understand the beginnings that this person came from. I was able to understand their family of origin story and how this might have developed because the narcissist deep down generally has such a low sense of self-esteem and self-worth that that's what they do really as a coping mechanism. And when I was able to see that about this person, it changed things for me. It didn't make me feel any better. It still hurt, uh, but it really did help to understand. And that's what I'm looking to give you here. Not looking to say, this is the way you're going to deal with your husband, but I am looking to give you some sort of understanding. Now we're going to talk about the self-concept of the narcissist. Really, how does the narcissist see themselves? Now, if you think about it, people whose self-worth is reliant on how others see them, they're exceptionally prone to rejection and shame. This is the same of the narcissist. The difference is a lot of people might be exceptionally prone to rejection and shame, but they don't have this coping mechanism of seeing other people as inferior to them. The thing with a narcissist is that they're prone to rejection and shame and their coping mechanism is to see people as inferior of low worth, 
in order to make themselves feel better and to boost their self-esteem. They're likely to experience themselves as superior or deserving of respect, deference, and praise. So that's what narcissism comes from because we think about it like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with these people? How could they even think this way? Really, the important thing to understand is that the actual narcissism is a coping mechanism for themselves. Not to say it's good. I'm not making excuses for them, right? But when we start to see this, like, oh, okay, I, I get it. Their self-esteem and their self-worth is so low and so bad that the only way that they know how to deal with it is to, you know, in their head, is to boost themselves up uh, more than is actually true. That's the only coping mechanism that either they know or they have learned or whatever. Narcissism is not like a genetic thing, right? It's not a chemical imbalance in the brain. This is really something that people develop over time. Now, interpersonally, narcissists, they're viewed as arrogant, entitled, dismissive, and offensive. Reactions to narcissists include criticism, ridicule, or basically people just ignore them. Now, here's the thing with narcissists. They're usually good talkers because of this grandiose attitude. You know, they talk about big things. At the surface level, they attract people because people are like, oh, wow, look at this person. They're doing so well for themselves. And people want to be around them and they think they're great. So a lot of times you'll see in work environments, they can get hired easily because they can talk about themselves in great ways and it just sounds like they're doing the thing that they're supposed to do in an interview which is talk about how great they are and then once people get to know them they realize that they're not all they're cracked up to be and then that's when we start to see the criticism the, the ridicule and the ignoring now just so you know narcissism is more common in men than in women and it's actually kind of prevalent. It can be as high as about 6% of the general population and about 2 to 16% in clinical settings where they're actually able to be diagnosed. Now, here's the thing. A narcissist most likely isn't going to go in for a diagnosis of narcissism because they don't think anything is wrong with them. They think that they are great. So usually what happens is the narcissist go in to see a clinician for something else. And that's when the diagnosis happens. All right, so here's the question you're all waiting to hear. What do we do about it? How do you treat it? The problem with a narcissist, especially when it comes to marriage counseling or within the marriage, is their lack of empathy makes them think that nothing that they do is wrong, everything that they do is right, maybe the wife is wrong. They have no empathy for her and her feelings. And so it becomes really hard to get them. Uh, to make any progress with them during marriage counseling sessions. So I actually uh, worked on this with a clinician where we, we discussed how would we treat a narcissist during the marriage counseling setting. And what it actually came out is that the narcissist needs to be treated separately with the clinician. And the clinician is supposed to, you know, their job is to work with the narcissist to just get them to have a little bit more empathy, just be able to think about their wife in a different way. And then maybe they could start to work on the marriage issues. And usually what happens is once they start to do that, then all of a sudden, just kind of by default, the wife is just so much happier for the changes that she's seen. A lot of that marriage issues start to dissipate, but then you can start to work on the marriage. That's a huge part. It's not the greatest answer I know you telling me like well you mean he's got to go to for treatment on his own 
before we can work on the marriage. Even when we're talking about in any abusive situation uh, with narcissism can oftentimes come a lot of abuse. Just verbal, mental abuse, things of that nature. In any abusive situation, that's usually the prescription for it is separate, let that person heal and get better on their own before you guys can come back and really work on the marriage. Now, it may be the case where maybe you can't do that. That's just not going to happen. And and that's just out of the question for you. Some of the ways that I have found to best deal with the narcissist in my life (laughs) is there's a couple of ways, a couple of tricks that I use and the people around me, they see how I deal with this person and they're like, oh my gosh, you're like a ninja. Like, how do you even, how do you do that? Uh, one of the things that I do, one of the tricks or my little tips for you is I help them to think everything is their idea, even if it's my idea. So sometimes it will mean that I will have to talk about something 15 different times, but I'll talk about it in a way um, until they kind of have decided in their own head that it's a good idea and it's their idea. Now, normally the person, they would give you credit for your great idea but not a narcissist. It has to be their idea. Or even sometimes I might even throw in, oh, you mean the thing I've been suggesting we do for like a year? (laughs) And they might be, oh yeah, you know, whatever is usually the answer I'll get. But a narcissist needs time. They need validation from other people. And sorry, wives, but sometimes it's not enough for what the wife might say to be enough validation for them. So maybe it's getting validation for this idea from somebody else who they highly regard or highly respect, all of a sudden, oh, well, so-and-so this thinks this is a good idea. Maybe this is something we should do. Those are some of my tricks that I use to influence the narcissist in my life. Another thing is that I don't criticize because the minute you criticize, they completely shut down. Now, here's the thing. The minute you criticize any man, they completely shut down. But the minute you criticize a narcissist, it is such a deep wound because what's happening is you're actually activating the cause of the narcissism, which is really they're prone to rejection. They can't deal their self-worth. They have no, really no place of self-worth. So the way that I have worked to deal with a narcissist in my life is an overabundance of love and affection and never criticizing. In fact, I will say things like, oh my gosh, look at this amazing thing that you've done and blah, 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 blah. It's not your fault that we have this issue or that issue, but as the amazing, smart business person you are, maybe these are some things that we could do to make those changes. What do you think? In this way of communicating with a narcissist, you are validating their self-worth. So you're not bringing down their self-worth, but you're also bringing them into the opportunity to grow and get better. So those are some of the ways that have helped me. The other way is I think they respect me. In this particular case, I think one of the reasons why this narcissist respects me is because I'm careful to not bring down their self-worth. I'm careful to really make it a point to validate them and make them feel better about the things that honestly I think they're pretty insecure about. So again, what does the narcissist care about? The narcissist loves anything that supports their idea of grandiosity. Everything that they have 
uh, things that they can brag about. For this particular person, they brag about me and my accomplishments, my beauty, all kinds of things about me that really have nothing to do with them. But because they count me in their close circle and feel that they have something they can brag about, that gives them a sense of pride. That pride leads to a certain level of respect for me. And so that's how I'm able to work with them. And I know it's unfair as the wife to be like, wait a minute, so I have to be like this trophy wife for him to respect me or whatever. I actually want to make sure that I'm not giving that impression either. Because remember, this particular person is not my husband. So it is, it's actually quite hurtful that the only reason why I feel like this narcissist loves me is because this person is proud of me. I actually want to take a moment here to pause to say that narcissism typically is abuse, point blank. Do I have a narcissist in my life who I love very much? Yes. Do I choose to keep that person in my life? Yes. But at the same time, do I understand that a lot of the things that they do and say and a lot of the ways that they treat me, do I understand that that is abuse? Also, yes. Do I feel like a victim? No. Because now I'm informed and now I can make an informed decision. So when you're unable to make an informed decision, you're just allowing this person to gaslight you, to hurt you. Um, that is when the abuse can be really bad. But because I'm informed enough to have made a decision to keep this person in my life with proper boundaries, now I can enjoy a little bit best of both worlds. And that is really, truly why I wanted to bring this episode to you today. I'm here to help you understand if this is you, if a narcissist in your life, they meet this criteria and this is you and you're dealing with it, these are some of the ways that might be able to make life a little bit more bearable for you. I am not suggesting that you stick around and try to make it work because clinically we say this person, they need a lot of help on their own. But whatever it is you decide, especially for those of you who feel we're in a marriage, either we can't get out or like we made a vow before God, we are in covenant and we're not planning on getting out. These are some of the things that might help. Please take all of this, not as clinical advice, but just as some of the things uh, that I do in my own life that have helped me, but by no means. Is it to be replacing any sort of therapy or whatever? Because narcissism is a clinical personality disorder. There is a diagnosis for it. So it's not something that I take lightly. I hope that was helpful to you guys in understanding that there really are a lot of things that it does take to be considered a narcissist. And like, what do we do with that? Because there are all these personality things involved with narcissism that really make it difficult to deal with and have a healthy relationship with. If this episode brought you any value, please go ahead and share it with a friend. By having these conversations and being open is the only way that we can really just defeat it. Let's not be ignorant about these things. Let's talk about them and really know of ways to manage it. In the same way we manage anything else, anxiety, depression, whatever, there's ways that we can manage narcissism. Unfortunately, there's no sort of medication or anything like that. So it's really more about behavioral management in terms of helping the narcissist and most importantly finding coping mechanisms for the people in their lives that actually have to deal with the narcissist I hope this was helpful i love you guys and until next week
Hey love, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you found any value in it, any teaching, any transformation, I encourage you to share it with a friend. Click the link, go ahead and share it with a friend, text it to somebody, share it on Instagram, tag me at the Grace Fields Wife, any of those things, or maybe even write a review. All those things are really the best way that you can thank me and it helps the show to get found by other amazing women just like you. I love you and I'll see you on Tuesday for another episode of The Grace Fields Wife.